is back in style. Welcome to the evolution. Yeah, Doug, listening to your show, and great. I love everything about it. I have uh, just recently started listening to your radio show, and uh, I'm a union member. Um, I'm going to encourage everybody I know in the labor movement to um, help sponsor your show because the message you're sending out, you're not going to get big corporate sponsors to um, help pay for your show. And so I'm going to do what I can do, and we'll just see what happens because uh, you're a, a voice in the wilderness, and that's all I have. I'm back, bitches! What if you knew Fox News was just lying to you? How could you watch when you know? was voted Variety Entertainer of the Year at the Excellence in the Arts Awards and is one of the highest arbitrage now Nielsen-rated talk radio hosts in Las Vegas. He is also a refreshing voice of logic and reason. Live from the entertainment capital of the world, Doug Basham. I know words. I have the best words. I love the poorly educated. Right under the toilet. Good morning, my fellow wokes and Republican jokes. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Doug Basham, and welcome to the Doug Basham Show right here on KSHB in Las Vegas and on social media and to a genuine demonstration of excellence in broadcasting. The website is DougBasham.com, last name spelled B as in Bob, A-S-H-A-M as in Mary, DougBasham.com, my email, Doug at DougBasham.com. If you're new to the show, here's all you need to know. On my website, you'll find links to all the sites associated with this show, in particular, links to all my social media sites on four of which we both broadcast this show live and archive the shows. But let's make it simple and boil it down to just one. On my website, click on the YouTube link. Once there, click on the subscribe link. Then click on the link that says live, whereupon you can either watch the show live or view the archive shows. 221-7283 is our call-in number here at the station, folks. If you would like to talk on the radio... Later, as in our second half hour, that's 702-221-SAVE, as in save our democracy, our ultimate and only goal in each and every show we do, lock him up. As for the Israel-Palestinian conflict, I don't have a lot of updates I can give you. That was the only topic the news channels chose to cover yesterday afternoon and last night. And basically, they didn't have many updates. It was a lot of repetition of the same story. One question that has been asked repeatedly is how this could have happened, what with Israel's Iron Dome and Jewish space lasers. 
Let me read you a bit from a story back on March the 6th of this year in the New York Times. Headline read, quote, Protests over Netanyahu's judiciary overhaul spread to Israel's military. End quote. Subheadline, quote, The military leadership is concerned that anger over the government's plan with some pilots saying they will skip some training sessions and operations could diminish military capabilities, end quote. A bit from that story, quote, A plan by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to severely curtail the powers of Israel's Supreme Court has prompted weeks of demonstrations, rattled the country's technology sector, and raised fears of political violence. Now protests are emerging even within the nation's military. Hundreds of soldiers in the military reserves either have signed letters expressing a reluctance to participate in non-essential duty or have already pulled out of training missions, officials said. The affected units include the 8200 Division that deals with signal and cyber intelligence and whose graduates have helped drive the country's tech industry as well as elite combat units. The military leadership fears that growing anger within the ranks over the government's plans will affect the operational readiness of Israel's armed forces, according to senior military officials. End quote. So, it appears the Israeli military wasn't too keen on Netanyahu's attempts to make himself Israel's dictator. Back to the story. Quote, the unrest with within the military is the latest flare-up of opposition to the government plans the government's plans to overhaul the judiciary after protests brought hundreds of thousands of Israelis to the streets of cities like Tel Aviv. Prominent American Jews have also criticized the plans, and on Sunday, Michael Bloomberg, the former New York mayor, wrote in a New York Times guest essay that Netanyahu was courting disaster, end quote. And here's the kicker, and note the parallels to our own situation here at home. Quote, Many Israelis believe the government's plan to overhaul the judiciary will undermine the country's democracy. That view is shared by many military officers, a number of whom have participated in regular protest. End quote. So, it appears Israeli citizens weren't any happier with Netanyahu's attempts to undermine their democracy than their military was. And just for confirmation, here's the headline from a story in Foreign Policy back on March 23rd of this year. It was written by Amos Harrell, a defense analyst for the Israeli newspaper Haaretz. The headline read, quote, Netanyahu's legal crusade is sparking a military backlash in Israel, end quote. And they got to the kicker right in the subheadline, which read, quote, Top generals worry about the fate of liberal democracy and that the country's enemies see mass refusal among reservists as an opportunity to strike, end quote. So, it seems the Hamas attack had nothing to do with the American pro-democracy president, Joe Biden, and everything to do with Israel's anti-democracy prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. Go figure! But, 
Do you think that'll stop Trump, his right-wing propaganda hate media, his bootlickers in Congress, and his brain-dead MAGA cult base from repeating those lies and continuing to blame Joe Biden? Of course it won't. Lying is the only thing Trump knows how to do and what he does best. Lying is what his media is paid to do. Lying has long been the favored method of discourse for QOP legislators, and lies are what Trump and his media's base and audience demands. Oh, and one last thing from that Heret story, and again, I would ask you to note the parallels to America. Quote, the court's critics, who tend to be more religious and right-wing, envisage Israel as a majoritarian democracy that gives elected lawmakers primacy over the judiciary. They asso associate the court's judges with Israel's secular elite, end quote. And who exactly, emulating their orange cult leader, of course, has been assailing our judicial system here in America? the exact same ilk that is vilifying it in Israel. Enough said. And finally, this is from Reuters on March 24th of this year. Headline read, quote, Israel's attorney general accuses Netanyahu of breaking the law, end quote. First line of the story, quote, Israel's attorney general on Friday accused Prime Minister Netanyahu of breaking the law by ignoring a conflict of interest over his ongoing trial for corruption and getting directly involved in the government's judicial overhaul plan, end quote. You know, the parallels are striking, aren't they? A leader of a country on trial for corruption attacking the court system that will try him. Sounds eerily familiar, does it not? As for the suspicion that Russia had a role in this Hamas attack, I wonder if anyone gave Russia any intel on Israel's weapon capabilities. I mean, Hamas did know how to get around Israel's Iron Dome, which they likely would have gotten from Iran, which they would have likely gotten from Russia. And where, one might ask, did Russia get it from? I mean, the orange trader gave sensitive information to two Russian officials the first few months he was in office, for God's sake. Intel that had been provided to him by, wait for it, Israel. Moving on and turning our attention to our own at-risk democracy here at home, it is no secret that I believe in my heart of hearts that Donald Trump is the biggest clear and present danger and existential threat to our democracy. Trump isn't finished with America. It is clear, however, he is finished with democracy. And I've complained over the past few weeks that this danger and threat is not being expressed enough to sink in with the majority of the American people, many of whom don't pay attention to the news and don't even participate in their democracy and vote. I told you last week I had an entire bit put together on a speech Joe Biden did probably a week and a half or so ago, but that I didn't want to start it and have to interrupt it at the end of a show and then pick it up again the next day. And seeing as there was apparently nothing else in the news yesterday except Israel, I thought today would be as good a day as any to get into it. A week ago last Thursday, legitimate president and non-criminal defendant Joe Biden 
gave a speech at Arizona State University, home of the John McCain Institute, concerning the future John McCain Library. Perhaps you heard it. Perhaps you didn't. I thought it was the best speech Biden has ever delivered, but unquestionably, in my mind, his most important. I would now like to play it for both your consideration and comments. Every other nation in the world has been founded on either grouping by ethnicity, religion, background. We're the most unique nation in the world. We're founded on idea. The only major nation in the world founded on an idea, an idea that we are all created equal, endowed by an image of God, endowed by our creator to be, be able to treat it equally throughout our lives. We've never fully lived up to that idea, but we've never walked away from it. But there's danger we're walking too far away from it now, the way we talk in this country. Because a long line of patriots from, like John McCain kept it from ever becoming something other than what it is. You see, John's one of those patriots when they die, their voices are never silent. They still speak to us. They tug at both our hearts and our conscience. And they pose the most profound questions. Who are we? What do we stand for? What do we believe? What will we be? For John, it was country first. Honor, duty, decency, freedom, liberty, democracy. And now history has brought us to a new time of testing. Very few of us will ever be asked to endure what John McCain endured. But all of us are being asked right now, what will we do to maintain our democracy? Will we, as John wrote, never quit? Will we not hide from history, but make history? Will we put partisanship aside and put country first? I say we must, and we will. We will. It's not easy. It's not easy. I am certainly liking what I'm hearing thus far, and I got to tell you, it keeps getting better and better and better. At this point, President Biden began to zero in on the orange traitor. The cause is worth giving our all for democracy makes all things possible. Let me begin with the core principles. Democracy means rule the people. Not rule of monarchs, not rule of the money, not rule of the mighty. Regardless of party, that means respecting free and fair elections. Accepting the outcome, win or lose. It means you can't love your country only when you win. And just to insert a thought here, Donald Trump has never loved this country, even though he won the 2016 election, nor has he ever cared, nor has he ever been capable of caring for the people of this country. Throughout his business career, he both stiffed and ruined people he had contracted to perform work for him. And if they went out of business as a result, oh well, just collateral damage in Trump's war to maintain the phony and fraudulent image he wanted people to believe was real. It wasn't. It was also more important for him to appear the alpha male, not to mention prevent his bronzer makeup being smeared 
by not wearing a mask than it was to set a good example and lead by example. You won't find a more centrist think tank than the Brookings Institution, a group of research papers released at a Brookings at a Brookings Institution meeting in March 2021 concluded that 400,000 lives were unnecessarily lost to COVID-19 because of the leadership or lack thereof of Donald Trump. While he was telling the American people it was no worse than the flu, in February of 2020, we have him on tape admitting to Bob Woodward he knew exactly how deadly the coronavirus was. It goes through air, Bob. That's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch, you don't have to touch things, right? But the air, you just breathe the air. That's how it's uh, passed. Uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. This is more deadly. This is five per, you know, this is 5% versus 1% and less than 1%. This is deadly stuff. Now it's turning out it's not just old people, Bob. Just today and, and yesterday, some startling facts came out. It's not just old, older yeah, exactly. young people to plenty of young people. This thing is a killer if it gets you. If you're the wrong person, you don't have a chance. Yes, yes, exactly. It was the plague. And, Bob, it's so easily transmissible, you wouldn't even believe it. And thanks to this craven and soulless malignant narcissist and his homicidally negligent response to a virus, for the first time in our history, a virus, mask, and a vaccine became a partisan issue. They became a both sides issue. It became an issue of common sense, science, caution, and precedent on one side, and I'm with Donald Trump on the other. And those on the wrong side of this issue in history were the same ones who wouldn't have been allowed to go to school or serve in this country's military if they weren't vaccinated. But under Trump, a deadly virus, mask, and a vaccine became yet another issue under the orange-tufted fraud that divided this nation. And once again, Herman Cain and Diamond of Diamond and Silk could not be reached for comment, nor could a bunch of right-wing propaganda hate radio hosts who attacked masks and the vaccine, every one of which on their deathbed said the exact same thing. And it wasn't Donald Trump was right. It was, I wish I had taken the vaccine. Personally, I'm glad they didn't. Who knows how many deaths from COVID they were responsible for with the Trumpian disinformation and lies they repeated and spread on the airwaves. I say good riddance. As one iconic American patriot once said, That's good. One less thing. President Biden continued, and as he did, he addressed the ever-increasing danger of political violence. Democracy means rejecting and repudiating political violence. Regardless of party, such violence is never, never, never acceptable in America. It's undemocratic. And it must never be normalized to advance political power. And democracy means respecting the institutions that govern a free society. That means adhering to the timeless words in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. 
Very eloquently stated, Mr. President, and you were correct to say political violence is undemocratic. Unfortunately, there are millions of Americans who are also undemocratic and proud of it, as in anti-democracy. And for them, the words in our Constitution are no longer evident to them. The only words that are, are whatever words drools out of the orange trader's mouth. And what I wish Biden had done there was elaborate a little more on what he called the institutions that govern a free society. Because again, we have people on one side who have given up on those institutions. You have people on our side who know exactly what you mean. But then, as I said earlier, you have almost half the country who doesn't even participate in their democracy, doesn't pay attention to the news, doesn't even vote, and I'll bet the farm don't even fully understand what you mean when you say the institutions that govern a free society, or as I like to put it, the institutions upon which our democracy was built and stands. I mean, both phrases sound quaint, but what do they mean to the average American citizen who can't wait to tell you what happened on The Bachelor last night? I mean, whoever wrote this speech for Biden did a wonderful job, but I think in places it might be wise to perhaps use a little more common language in order to hopefully arouse the attention of the aforementioned group of Americans. Biden continued. Our Constitution, the bulwark to prevent the abuse of power to ensure we the people move forward together under the law, rather than believing the only way is one way or no way at all. But our institutions and our democracy are not just of government. Institutions of democracy depend on the Constitution and our character, our character, and the habits of our hearts and our minds. Again, very eloquent and very profound for anyone who's on the same page as you. I would submit when it comes to saving our democracy, you don't want to risk being too hip for the room. And I'm not saying dumb it down, just maybe common man it a bit. Biden continued. These principles of democracy are essential in a free society, but they have always been embattled. Today, let's be clear. While we've made progress, democracy is still at risk. I've made the defense and protection and preservation of American democracy the central issue of my presidency. I've spoken about the danger of election denialism, political violence, in the battle for the soul of America. Today in America, to honor an institution devoted to defense of democracy, named in honor of a true patriot, I'm here to speak about another threat to our democracy that we all too often ignore. The threat to our political institutions, to our constitution itself, and the very character of our nation. Now at this point, Biden begins his windup aimed directly at the MAGA movement. For centuries, the American Constitution has been a model for the world, with other countries adopting we the people as their North Star as well. But as we know, we know how damaged our institutions of democracy, the judiciary, the legislature, the executive, have become, become in the eyes of the American people, even the world, from attacks within the past few years. I know virtually every major world leader. That's what I did when I was a senator. 
as vice president and now. Everywhere I go in the world, and I've met now with over a hundred heads of state of the nations of the world, everywhere I go, they look and they ask the question, is it going to be okay? Think about this. And now President Biden gets to the pivotal part of his address in an extremely well-written and poignant part of his speech. And the way it is done is simply brilliant. Everywhere I go, they look and they ask the question, is it going to be okay? Think about this. First meeting I attended of the G7, the seven wealthiest nations in the world, in Europe, the NATO meeting. And I sat down and I said, America's back. Macron looked at me and he said, Mr. President, for how long? For how long? And then the Chancellor of Germany said, Mr. President, what would you think if you pick up the paper tomorrow? Tomorrow, the London Times. And it said a thousand people broke down the doors of Parliament, marched and killed two bobbies in order to overthrow an election of a new prime minister. What would you think then? What would America think? What would we think? Again, brilliantly written, and for the most part, because it was based on a true story, and it was also perfectly delivered. Well done, Mr. President. And that did offer us a different perspective on what occurred here on January 6th. What would we think, at least those of us who live in the real world, if we saw something like that happen in another democracy? I suspect we would be horrified. Again, those of us real-world dwellers. Biden continued, and in so doing, aims his fire directly at MAGA and names them. Also, further to a complaint I registered earlier, Biden proceeds to elaborate on our institutions of democracy. I retract and apologize for my earlier impatience. I'm here to tell you, we lose these institutions of our government at our own peril. And I've always been clear, democracy is not a partisan issue. It's an American issue. I've come to honor the McCain Institute and Library because they are a home of a proud Republican who put his country first. Our commitment should be no less because democracy should unite all Americans regardless of political affiliation. And there's something dangerous happening in America now. There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy. The MAGA movement. Not every Republican, not even a majority of Republicans adhere to the MAGA extremist ideology. I know because I've been able to work with Republicans my whole career. But there's no question that today's Republican Party is driven and intimidated by MAGA Republican extremists. Their extreme agenda, if carried out, would fundamentally alter the institutions of American democracy as we know it. My friends, they're not hiding their attacks. They're openly promoting them, attacking the free press as the enemy of the people, attacking the rule of law as an impediment, fomenting voter suppression and election subversion. Did you ever think we'd be having debates in your stage of your careers where banning books, banning books and burying history? Extremists in Congress more determined to shut down the government to burn the place down than to let the people's business be done. Well said again, Mr. President. 
And now that he's called out MAGA by name, as he continues, Biden calls out Trump by name and then just proceeds to unload. Again, in my view, this was Biden's best speech and his most important one. And this was, for me, the highlight of the speech. Frankly, these extremists have no idea what the hell they're talking about. I'm serious. They're pushing a notion the defeated former president expressed when he was in office and believes applies only to him. And this is a dangerous notion. This president is above the law, no limits on power. Trump says the Constitution gave him, quote, the right to do whatever he wants as president, end of quote. I've never heard a president say that in jest. Not guided by the Constitution or by common service and decency toward our fellow Americans, but by vengeance and vindictiveness. We see the headlines. Quote, sweeping expansion of presidential power. The goal to, quote, alter the balance of power by increasing the president's authority over every part of the federal government, end of quote. What do they intend to do once they erode the constitutional order of checks and balances and separation of powers? Limit the independence of federal agencies? Put them under the thumb of a president? Give the president the power to refuse to spend money that Congress has appropriated if he doesn't like what it's being spent for? Get rid of long-standing protections for civil service? Remember what he did. He imposed the new schedule. Schedule F was called. These civil servants had to pledge loyalty to the president, not the Constitution. Just consider these as actual quotes from MAGA, the MAGA movement. Quote, I am your retribution. Slitting throats of civil servants, replacing them with extreme political cronies. MAGA extremists proclaim support for law enforcement only to say, we, quote, we must destroy the FBI. It's not one person. It's a controlling element of the House Republican Party. Now that's what I call unloading. Kudos, Mr. President. And Biden wasn't finished dropping the hammer or the mic. He now mentions Trump's recent accusations of treason against media entities and four-star General Mark Milley. None of this is surprising now. They've tried to govern that way before. Thank God they failed. But they haven't given up. Just look at recent days. Their accusations of treason, treason, against the major news network because they don't like its coverage. I don't know what the hell I'd say about Fox if that becomes the rule. <laughs> but think about it. I'm joking, but think about it. Tomorrow, I have the honor of overseeing the change of responsibilities of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the United States military. From one genuine hero and patriot, General Mark Milley, to another, General C.Q. Brown. Both. Both defining leaders of our time. And yet, here is what you hear from MAGA extremists about the retiring Patriot General honoring his oath to the Constitution. Quote, he's a traitor, end of quote. 
In times gone by, the punishment, quote, in times gone by, the punishment would have been death, end of quote. This United States of America, this is the United States of America. And although I don't believe even a majority of Republicans think that, the silence is deafening. The silence is deafening. Hardly any Republican called out such heinous statements. Of course they didn't, Joe. The comments you just repeated came from the orange trader of whom these non-MAGA Republicans, if you can call them that, are deathly afraid. But I would submit silence in the face of MAGA is an endorsement of MAGA, which is complicity with MAGA, which is MAGA. Biden, as the old saying goes, is leaving no stone unturned, and good on him for so doing. And he not only still had gas left in his tank, he became quite animated and angry, and justifiably so. My extremists claim support of our troops, but they're harming military readiness, leadership, troop morale, freezing pay, freezing military families in limbo. Just they look the other way when the defeated former president refused to pay respects in an American cemetery near Paris, referring to the American servicemen buried there, and I've been to the cemetery, as suckers and losers. But that's what he said. He calls servicemen suckers and losers. Is John a sucker? Was my son Bo, who lived next to a burn pit for a year, came home and died? Was he a sucker for volunteering to serve his country? Same guy who denigrates terrorism of John McCain. It's not only wrong, it's un-American. But it never changes. The MAGA extremists across the country have made it clear where they stand. So the challenge for the rest of America, for the majority of Americans, is to make clear where we stand. Do we still believe in the Constitution? Do we believe in the basic decency and respect? The whole country should honestly ask itself, and I mean it sincerely, what it wants and understand the threats to our democracy. I believe very strongly that the defining feature of our democracy is our Constitution. I believe in the separation of powers and checks and balances that debate and disagreement do not lead to disunion. I believe in free and fair elections and a peaceful transfer of power. I believe there's no place in America, none, 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 for political violence. We have to denounce hate, not embolden it. We are now two clips from the end of this speech, although I thought this would have been a fitting conclusion. I was able to get the infrastructure bill passed. It's over a trillion dollars. The majority of it so far has gone to red states who didn't vote for me. Because I represent all of them. No, I'm serious. I represent all Americans. Wherever the need is. And I believe every president should be a president for all Americans. To use the office of the president to unite the nation, uphold the duty to care for all Americans. I've tried my very best, and I'm sure I haven't met the test of all of you want me to meet. 
but tried to, my very best to meet the highest standards, whether you voted for me or not, because that's the job, to deliver light, not heat, to make sure democracy delivers for everyone. Which brings us to the finale of this wonderful, critically important, and brilliantly delivered speech with some powerful and poignant thoughts. We can't take democracy for granted. Remember when you're in high school and college, if you took political science, said every generation has to protect democracy? I used to think that that was just a saying. But here I am, as President of the United States of America, making this speech about my fear of the diminishment of democracy. Folks, every generation has to be vigilant. So, what'd you think? I thought that was Biden's best speech and his most important one. The question is, do you agree? If not, why in the hell not? <laughs> 221-7283 is a number by which you can express that opinion. That's 702-221-SAVE. Now, as much as I enjoyed that speech and believe strongly it was Biden's best and most important one, I have a but. And I'll express my but in the form of a question. I said before we began listening, perhaps you heard this speech, perhaps you didn't. I told you it was Arizona, it was at Arizona State University, the home of the McCain Institute concerning the future John McCain Library. And my question is, did you hear this speech? Did you even know President Biden was going to give that speech? Did you see that speech? As far as I know, no network carried it live. And how many people were in attendance that day that heard it? A couple hundred? A couple thousand? The most important speech the president has given, and how many people actually heard it? I made the point back on my Wednesday, September 20th show, after Biden had spoken at a private Democratic event wherein even the audio wasn't recorded and he, wherein he defended democracy. I told you that I believe Joe Biden needs to speak those words a whole lot more and in public, not just at a private event. I would now add, not at a semi-private event at Arizona State University. He needs to utilize the bully pulpit and the largest megaphone in the world that the presidency of the United States affords him. I suggested during that show, and I will again, that the president deliver an address to the nation. The script is already written. You just heard it. But hype and promote the living bejesus out of it. A critical special address from the President of the United States. Have the major networks interrupt their regular programming and then hit him with what you just hit the people at Arizona State University with. It is crystal clear Joe Biden understands only too well what a threat the orange trader and his brain-dead MAGA cult base are to this country. But the American people need to understand it as well. And that means reaching those who don't follow the news, who don't vote. Interrupt their regular evening shows. They'll watch, and perhaps they will learn. Perhaps they'll just start, decide to start participating in their democracy. And again, 
maybe they'll vote. And if you make the same case you just made to Arizona, they won't vote for the guy who already tried to destroy our democracy once and is running to finish the job. And the reason I played this speech today, I felt compelled to do my part in forwarding the president's message to as many people as I can reach. You can help save our democracy by going to my website after the show is concluded, DougBasham.com, and forwarding today's show to as many of your friends as you can. We all have to do our part. This is go time. The ball game between MAGA and we real world dwelling patriots is getting closer to the ninth inning with each passing day. And we can't afford any bunts or singles. We have to give it everything we have and swing for the fences every single day. In the words of the immortal John Fogarty, Got a beat up glove, a homemade Bottom line, we are all up to bat next and now. 221-7283 is our call-in number, folks. If you'd like to chat, that's 702-221-SAVE. And now that Fernando has cleared his throat, we'll go to him first. Fernando, you're first up. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, good afternoon. Hi. Um, Biden's speech, speech was good and everything, but where's the United Nations? What are they supposed to do in situations like this? Can't they have a vote against all this violence and then go after these people and destroy them? I mean, why even have United Nations? Well, now, what, to to whom are you referring when you say go after these people? Well, the Hamas, whoever started it first. Well, now you tell me how the United... Well, first of all, Israel is taking care of it on their own. Second of all... Okay, that's fine. You tell me how the United Nations, or even Israel, would differentiate between the vast majority of the Palestinian population, which is not Hamas, and Hamas. Well, whoever's in charge of that operation over there that's um, doing these terrorist violent, violent acts, then they should be dealt with, just like anybody else. And you, don't think, and, you don't think, and you don't think Israel is going to do that? No, I know Israel is doing that, but when they start bringing in us, the United States, and everybody else, it's time to stand your ground and go destroy those people who are doing these terrorist acts. Well, that's, okay, what I'm trying to say. that's fine, but keep in mind, the United Nations, by its very definition, is supposed to be a neutral arbiter. They're not supposed to go in there and, as you say, destroy people. That that kind of goes against the whole thing of being the United Nations. If anything, well, their role is to try and facilitate peace talks, not destroy. Didn't they um, 
Israel will then do the countries, destroying. Didn't all the countries um, vote against um, Iraq at that time when we said they had massive um, weapons of mass destruction and then they had a United Nations? Um, yeah, and they, were, yeah and, they were, and they were a lot smarter than we were, weren't they? Yeah, they were, but anyway, that's just how I feel today. You guys have a good day. Bye-bye. Hey, I appreciate your sentiments, Fernando. I don't necessarily agree with them, but I appreciate you expressing them. 221-7283 is our call-in number. Call Saul. That's 221-SAVE. Carl, you're next. Thanks for calling. Yeah, Doug. Hi. Uh, I want to thank you for playing that. I didn't hear that speech, and I want to thank you for playing it. Uh it didn't sound too much like uh, onset dementia. Oh, he sounded very, he sounded very irrational. And uh, listen, you want to hear something? What people? Why people should vote for Donald Trump? I have a real quick list here. Number one, he faces ninety-one felony counts, which includes stealing classified documents related to our nuclear secrets. He's in temp- uh, insurrection, inciting an insurrection, attempting to steal to steal a legitimate election. He's been found uh, liable of for tax fraud, insurance fraud, and bank fraud in New York, which may uh, have his businesses go into bankruptcy or receivership. He was found liable. Uh, the Trump Charitable Foundation and his Trump University were all dissolved due to extreme fraud, which he had to pay large fines for. Yeah. Trump has had six bankruptcies of all his businesses. He faces racketeering charges in Georgia. And the list just goes on and on. These are why his Trump supporters should really vote for him. <laughs> I know, I know, Carl. When you list them like that, it does boggle the mind. It does indeed that people still support him. But keep in mind, the majority of people yeah. who support Trump isolate themselves inside their media bubble and echo chamber, and they aren't aware of most of what you said. And if their media does report on one of Trump's failures, they spin it, blame someone else, and Trump walks away unscathed. Well, yeah, he's uh, he should never be let anywhere near the Oval Office again. No. Uh, that would be a complete disaster. I'm oh, telling you. No no he's, argument here, Carl. Yeah, he's so he's so crooked. I mean this man in every business, he's never had a business that's really succeeded. So if you want to check back on all his businesses, well, he's well actually he's he's had two businesses that succeeded. Number one convincing people that he was a successful businessman when he wasn't, and number two, selling red hats to morons. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Other than that, he is a dismal that. failure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, take care. And, hey, uh, hey, you uh, take care. So, uh, you take care, too, talk Carl. To you I appreciate you calling. Take care. Okay. 221-7283 is our call-in number here at the station, folks. That's 702-221-SAVE. Carl kind of lingered there on Trump's financial fraud in New York. If you watched the news last night, you didn't hear anything about it. And I didn't see many updates on it other than Trump's CFO, Alan Weisselberg, was scheduled to testify today, and Trump's former attorney, goon, and fixer, Michael Cohen, is is expected to testify at some point this week. But get this, just as I was leaving for the station, something popped up on my news. 
It was part of the deposition Alan Weisselberg gave in this trial, and he admitted in this deposition that he never took his CPA exam, nor did he study for it. This was the chief financial officer of Donald Trump's quote-unquote empire. The chief financial officer never took a CPA exam and wasn't a certified public accountant. Only the best people, folks. He only hires the best people. 221-7283 is that call number. That's 702-22. Am I saying it slow enough? 221-7283. So, for anyone who's wondering how the first week of Trump's financial fraud case went in New York, we're going to turn now to my favorite legal analyst, NBC's Lisa Rubin. She offers as concise a summary as we have come to expect from her. It has been a dramatic week, and not all of the drama was necessarily around the courtroom. It was all legal, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Most of the drama was outside the courtroom. But if you are a legal observer, as I am, and a former lawyer, you understood that some of what appeared to be really dry testimony was actually itself very dramatic. And that's how I would characterize, Nicole, the last two days with Jeff McConney, who is the former Trump Organization controller. He's now retired. But he was the principal point of contact with the accountants for the preparation of the financial statements that are at issue in this case. He was also the person that largely assigned values to properties, of course, as directed by Alan Weisselberg, who we assume was also directed by former President Trump. And in that testimony, we got a bunch of really damning admissions about the most egregious examples of fraud. I think the best one was today when they were talking about the golf courses. The statement of financial conditions says explicitly no amount of brand value is baked into the price of those golf courses. And yet, each of those golf courses, as they were valued, was assigned a 15 to 30% premium for what? Brand value, according to the work papers. And McConney had to admit on the stand, he did that, that was him, and did the statement of financial conditions say that they did not do that? Indeed it did. Well done, as always, Lisa. <laughs> Justin and I were chatting. I got caught off guard there. It's like, Oops, better get back to the microphone, Saul. 221-7283 is our caller number here at the station, folks. If you want to chat, 702-221-SAVE. Back to the phones we had, and we'll talk to my old buddy, Lauren. You're next. Thanks for calling. Hi. Um, I, I'm glad you repeated the number slowly so I could, I could uh, <laughs> write it down. I did that especially um, for you, Lauren. I, I appreciate it, Doug. It's not to take the old people in consideration. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, my, my, my point is this. I, I, uh, uh, as, as far as speeches, uh, presidents, no matter who they are, have speech writers. Um, I think that you'll get a good speech. I mean, Trump even had one or two during his administration. Um, but I, I think that I must that have missed those. Yeah, well, that's I understand, you know, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't discriminate. I don't care if you're, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll listen to you and see what you got to say. Um, I, I think that, that unfortunately we've been, for decades, we have been bombarded with uh, politicians that are absolutely useless. 
we, we hope for the best, and if we get 10%, we'll be happy. And I, uh, as, as far as, uh, even though I voted for John McCain, um, I, I think that uh, the guy was a snake. Um, when it came to uh, the uh, border issue, at one point he's on one side, and then when he's running for uh, the Senate in his own uh, state, build that wall, build that wall. You know, so the, the guy was, uh, I, I don't know. He, he was a spoiled brat. Uh, Lauren, I grew up around the Navy. Lauren, let me uh, interrupt. He was in the Navy. Okay, go ahead. Yo, I was just going to ask, what job. kind of a phone are you on? Because it is making this noise that almost sounds like a lightning crack. Oh, did we lose him? <laughs> Lauren, I wasn't insulting you. I was just trying to find out what kind of a phone you were on. Or maybe if you had another one, you know, like a burner phone, something you'd use for clandestine meetings or or untoward things. I don't know. I was going to ask if maybe you could call back on that because, man, that was tough. Justin and I were sitting here just cringing. And, and it's not you, Lauren. You know, you and I go back. I love you, Lauren. It was just like your phone was just making this noise that was just unbearable hard on the ears and I'm half deaf and it was bothering me people with normal hearing I can only imagine what it was doing to your inner ears anyhow folks Justin we have someone there is that Lauren by any chance (laughs) who'd that be oh Lauren call back hey Lauren we got you back hi uh, just a second here. Okay. Um, is this better? Yeah, actually, so far it is, yes. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm working, so it might have been the location. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, uh, you had a... My, my point was um, McCain, you know, like I said, he, he said uh, one thing at one point. You know, that, that we don't need a border wall. And then, like I said, when he was up for re-election his last term, oh, yeah, we need we need to need to build that wall. Um, as far as his military service, uh, he came from a family of admirals, his grandfather, his father. Um, he was, uh, what, last in his class at the academy. Lauren, Lauren, um, Lauren, I have to interrupt because we're right at the end of the music and the show. Do me a favor, call back tomorrow earlier and we can have a, um, you know, an extensive talk that isn't interrupted by time constraints. I understand. Hey, I, I appreciate, appreciate it, Doug. Hey, folks, I got to run. That's it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening and calling. We'll do it all over again tomorrow, hopefully with you. Until then, take care.